you know, I agree that having all those little things like the LLM, ROTC, being a student athlete, you know, um, adds value that you can't quantify. But what I actually noticed about every job so far that you've talked about and, you know, where you, how you kind of made all these switches come from one simple thing that you did, which is you asked. Host Melissa Rosenblum is one of only a few women certified by the Supreme Court of New Jersey as a criminal trial attorney. When you add kids, a booming law business, and a little black book full of subject matter experts, you've got the Mighty Merp podcast. Mighty Merp is available on iTunes, Spotify, and all your favorite apps and players. But the best way to experience the show is to visit MightyMerp.com. You asked. Do you realize that? Like you yeah, I've called, never thought. I've just, always thought of it as following my heart. But you you asked, and that is such a difficult thing for young people and young women. Um, and I try to teach my kids, and since they were toddlers, since they could talk, go ask when they say, can I, do you think this person would let me, whatever. That's fascinating. And I always yeah, say. All the, year, all the amount of money and years of therapy, and you got it. And That's I say. Exactly, I hadn't even ever thought about that. I always say, just ask. The worst that's going to happen is the answer will be no. Yeah. What happens if you don't ask? It's still no. But you, it really is amazing. You said, I picked up the phone. I didn't know the person at the, you know, at, that they had mm -hmm. at the district attorney's office. And I called and I asked. And then you did the same thing in Cape May. I met the first assistant and I asked. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was, it's so simple, but it's, it's something that I think we're kind of shy on doing because it's also feels demanding and sometimes well i think it's important for for young people to stay curious and to uh you know not underestimate what what could be and what door could be opened um you know and i see that and you've got children that are now in college and um it's, I see it with, you know, my daughter at that point in your life, you know, the decision about where to go to college, what to major in, what classes to take, feel like these are decisions that, you know, are going to um, maybe shape their whole rest of their life. And, and maybe, maybe they will, but maybe they will just open up a different door and, it changes okay. I think change is really yeah, hard absolutely. for a lot of people. It's scary. Um, if you had asked me in high school what I wanted to be, I just told my daughter this the other day. All through high school, what do you want to be when you grow up? Physical therapist. That was my stock answer, physical therapist. Well, you know, I should have gone to a different college because at Ursinus, if you wanted to be a physical therapist, you had to be a bio major. And if you're a bio major, you might as well be pre-med. And I am not pre-med material. I never was. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> right. Says the person who obtained their LLM while in law. I mean, obtained <laughs> their CPA while they were in law school. So, yeah. but, um, yeah, I mean, the idea that you have to know, I've, I'm completely trying to ingrain in my college children that 
they are there to learn and to experience that they are not deciding a career today. Right. And, um, but what's also interesting is you ended up in Cape May because of the LLM and because of the economic background that you had, right. the tax background. Um, but that's not really where you stayed and where you prosecuted cases for your no, career. I, mean, I ended up, Right. I ended up handling a whole host of different types of cases and, um, and, and it was a great office to work in. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of the work that I did as a prosecutor. Right. Um, but there, you know, there came a point in time where I had an opportunity, you know, to make a change and it wasn't quite candidly, wasn't really, didn't really think about it too long. It was just, uh, once you start thinking about perhaps going into private practice and looking at office space, then you're a hop, skip and a jump from right. hanging a shingle. And many people tried to discourage me. From, I, I was going to say, I know, because I think I was one of those people. Many, so yeah, many um, people did. So, because private practice is hard. Yeah. So let me ask you this. You were at the um, prosecutor's office for 15 years or 18 years? I was in Cape May from... Uh, April of 2004 until February of 2018. So 14 years. All right. So you had, a, but you had more than 10 years in, you had a lot of years in, which is why people like me were saying, why don't you just hold, hold out? Right. Because and I had there's a year a, from Cumberland County. Right. Cause there's a pension issue in play. So my question is why, why or how? Why did you decide it was time to go into private practice? Or I guess, how did you know it was time? Because I, I do think the idea of opening up your own firm and doing it all on your own is a huge decision that takes courage and bravery and, and a confidence, whether it's an outward, I don't think it's an outward, I think it's an inner, inner confidence. So what made you realize that this is the time and this is the right time for you? Yeah, it's funny that you that you ask that because it it happened fairly quickly, and you know, it I was I was I think very well liked at my office. It had nothing to do with you know anybody there or anybody you know. There was a, a happened to occur right around the time that there was a change in the prosecutor, um, but it, it had nothing to do with that. It was just I think. A realization that I had done what I was going to do there. It was I wasn't likely to become the first assistant, um, but that really wasn't that didn't really factor in as much as uh, maybe just a desire to see if I could do it before my career was over. I mean, yes, you're right. I could have stayed and retired by you know if I bought back my time from Philadelphia, I probably could have retired at 55. Um, which would only be three years from right now. But, you know, there, there was, I, I think that I just wanted to be able to see if I could make it on my own. And, I and think you have, amazingly, uh, probably one of the most successful women attorneys in this area, I'll say in all of South you. Jersey. So Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I've always had a, a little bit of a knack for business. I think, you know, as a prosecutor, you are you are very limited as to 
um, what you can say and express and do. And uh, I do love to teach. I have always taught as an adjunct. Uh, Which really, is another another area that we have in common. So right. You I mean, I started teaching when I was at the, D at the DA's office at Chestnut Hill, really just as a way to make extra money. Um, but then I loved it. I loved teaching. I taught at Chestnut Hill. I've taught at Atlantic Cape Community. I taught at Cumberland County College. And, but the longest place that I have taught is Rowan. Right. And I, I did that, again, to supplement my income, which many people do. It's the one job that you're allowed to do as a prosecutor. Um, and I enjoyed it. I taught at the academy. Um, and, and really, that's my kind of love is teaching. So I, I think it was just a matter of um, maybe wanting, needing a change, wanting a change, uh, kind of all coincided with uh, a, a, an office that was available with an ocean view. That certainly didn't hurt. And being my own boss, I think, had, um, there was something very appealing to that. Um, and I, I've always had, as I've said, kind of a knack for numbers. I thought I, I thought I could, you know, look, running, running a law firm, you have to be a good lawyer, but you have to, also have to be a good business person. Oh, I, I um, have to tell you the, the second, <laughs> that second statement is more true than the first statement because there are lots of good lawyers that have not been successful running a law firm or financially. And exactly, and there are a lot of good business people that are good lawyers. I want it to be both. Yeah, so since you've been out on your own, I think about five years now, is that fair? Yeah, uh, well, all of 2018, all of 19, all of 20, all of 21, and now we're halfway through 22, so this is my fifth year. So what do you love about having your own law firm? I mean, it's your law firm. Well, law I love office, being in charge. <laughs> law offices of, you know, Meg. I, I think I really, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm successful in that. And I don't mean, when I say that, I don't mean financially. I mean, I feel like I'm doing a good job, you know, practicing law as a as a solo practitioner, um, I have I made a decision fairly quickly that I wasn't going to try to wear a lot of hats. I was going to stick with what I know, and that is criminal law in New Jersey. And although I have the background in tax, and it it has occurred to me that oh maybe I'll get no I'm not I'm not you know I'm too old I feel to try to get into a different area I, I want to be really good at what I do that's what I you know I hear you I have lots of people and lots of friends and and lots of mentors who keep saying to me you know you could do this you can do this and and I say I know my lane for exactly. 25 plus years I have been a criminal lawyer and I'm good at what I do I, right, I, right. I, I can't start doing things that I'm not doing at the capacity and the level that, you know... Um, Agree. Agree. That, I think you and I are probably both... I, I don't know if perfectionist is the right word, but we want to do a good job at what we do. And I, I also have been approached by different attorneys that want to refer civil cases to me. And... You know, I'm just not comfortable doing it. I mean, I, I just—it's just not for me. And um, and so I feel like I'm I'm happy. I feel happy with what I have accomplished in the last, you know, four and a half now going on five years. 
Uh, I like running the business. I have um, come up with, you know, it's 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 mine from the ground up. So we've had this discussion. I'm not taking over someone else's way of doing things. I have created checklists for just about everything <laughs> I do. Right? I have created my own policies and procedure for what happens when I open a file, what happens during the file, what happens when I close the file. I'm sitting here in my office, um, I'm, la- I'm laughing because I'm sitting here looking at, uh, I bought a, <laughs> I don't think I've ever even told you this, I have this red, I call it the crash cart. It looks like, it's all red, uh, it looks like one of those carts that you wheel around um, like an emergency room mm-hmm. and I have my next two weeks files pulled and in little crates so that I can look at them as the week goes on. I have these little things that I have developed that are just mine. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Mighty Merp podcast. This podcast is not a source of legal advice. No two legal cases are the same. Contact an attorney if you require legal assistance. Mighty Merp is a production of the Law Office of Melissa Rosenblum and the Niche Podcast Network.